Have you been told that your very young child, like one, two, three years old, has ADHD? And you're scared. Well, what does that mean? What do I do now? That is what we're going to talk about today. When a very young child gets diagnosed with ADHD or other behaviorally based diagnosis that you think might not be true. This happened recently with a client and sent them in a tailspin. So I thought I would make an episode. Does your child have a speech language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned because in this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Welcome back to the language of play. It's so nice to have you here today. Today we're going to talk about when a young child gets diagnosed with ADHD. Perhaps your child did. Sometimes it's true, but sometimes a parental instinct says something's wrong with this. Today we're going to talk a little bit more practically, a little bit more truthfully about all children as we get started. But before we begin, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of a celebration special, and that is we're honoring Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the holidays coming up, and 100 episodes on the language of play. So now until December 7th, which will be the 100th episode day, the language of play is running a special. And that special is really quite phenomenal. I have brought back a lecture series for you. In fact, two lecture series. Each of them will be offered at the phenomenal price of $97. Both of them are six lessons long. Both of them are highly practical and give you strategies that you can use right now. Now, when you purchase these courses at only $97 a piece, you also get one hour with me on Zoom coaching with you one-on-one to work on the issues that you have actually going on in your home so we can tease them apart and you can finally resolve and have a plan of action to address the things your kiddo and your family need. So what are these courses? Well, as always, check in the show notes. But here is the summary. 
The first lecture series was titled "Why Won't the Kids Listen," and that was focused on building the more peaceful, productive, and loving home by building your team centeredness. This series focused on helping you recognize your own default settings you have in your life and parenting, teaching you how to recalibrate according to what it is that you want, and to recognize your child's perspective so that you can learn to start communicating from there. The lesson titles. First is the introduction. Second, our parenting foundation. Third, what stops compliance. Next, expectations and assumptions. Then, bribe, beg, and bargain. And finally, parental leadership. This course helps you learn how to build a more peaceful, productive, loving home by building your family team. In the second lecture series that I did, I titled it "Getting Kids to Listen Better." In that six lessons, I teach parents communication strategies that work with your child's brain. You learn ways that your environment can remind your child so that you don't have to repeat so much, and you learn what competencies you can expect at the various ages from your child. The lesson titles in this course: one, your child's brain; two, the map to independence starts early; three, eliminating repeating. Well, some of it. Four. How to know what your child is actually learning? Five chores. What should I expect? And finally, confidence building with skills. So, as you can see, the focal point for each of these lessons is indeed kids listening better. However, we come at it from a very different perspective each time with different material. These video series lectures were live recordings done for Amazing Parents Network during their family education series. These courses are offered at only ninety-seven dollars because we want this information to be affordable, and we want the language and the terminology to be commonplace among families, among parents. To purchase these courses for yourself or for somebody you know that also wants to improve their parenting and become more effective. See my show notes and look for the link. And if you have any questions along the way, as always, feel free to email me at hello at thelanguageofplay dot com, and I will talk with you further. You can also schedule a Zoom call to have your questions answered, and you will see that link in the show notes as well. So, in summary, there are two video lecture series that are ninety seven dollars a piece, and when you purchase both. You will also get an hour-long coaching session with me to talk directly with you about the things that you want to get better at or issues you're dealing with. That makes 12 lessons plus a one-hour coaching strategy session for you for only $194. Please feel free to pass this forward to anyone you know that works with or lives with children. All right, now let's get into it. My mother-in-law, from years ago, said to me something that was so profoundly true. I went with my children to their house. I complained about the attention span of my kids because they were very little. I think at the time I only had two, and that means the oldest was two, maybe two and a half. And she said, "All kids have ADHD. They're supposed to. They're kids." Now, initially, I was a bit puzzled. But truthfully, over time, I realized that yes, children by nature often have the attention span of lightning. 
that's no compliment when it comes to trying to get our kids to do the things we want to do. But it does help us understand what we are dealing with. We are dealing with children, and they often have an attention span of lightning. This is normal part of childhood. This is a normal part of an immature brain. So, if someone tells you that your littlest kids have ADHD, take it with a grain of salt. It may be true, but it may not be true because the children are like that. I'm not going to say that your professionals are wrong, but I will say to you to exercise extreme caution in your own heart and worry if somebody says that to you. But in this vein, let's talk a little bit about ADHD. We tend to think of attention deficit as a lack of focus, but maybe you didn't know that ADHD also includes hyperfocus. The disorder is more like a disability of commanding my attention at will. Sometimes our kiddos and, and even adults have a focus that is overfocused and then scattered. That is more of a hallmark of having ADHD. That is also a normal behavior in kids. Kids are driven by internal and external and biological distractions. They want something right now, and then their eyes fall on something else, and that looks beautiful, so they want that too. They might have something in their hand, and they walk over to something else to pick it up, and they get really mad because they can't pick it up. Yet, they can't figure out that they need to let go of what is in their hands in order to pick up the other item that's on the ground. They're stuck because they, they can't figure out what to do. It's not always a problem-solving issue. Sometimes it is paying attention to what it is that they're doing with their hands. Again, this happens to kiddos with and without ADHD. So what are we to do as parents? We are to help them understand what is in their hand. We help them command their attention to what it is that they need to do. And how many times have we seen that our kiddos might be really sad about something, and even as they're still crying and have tears flowing down their cheeks and they're mad, something attracts their attention, or they have a thought, or you say something, and snap, they're happy again, even before the tears stop streaming down their face. Kids are so in the moment that sometimes wanting to have that object has to do with intense wanting, and the emotions get in the way. Their emotions make them stuck. So our job is to be available for them to help them handle their emotions and focus that attention and help them solve their problems. This is all children. Now, our kiddos that have ADHD, they need this a little bit more frequently, and they need it a, maybe a lot more frequently. But that is why our children have you. It is our job to bring them one step at a time, to lovingly lead them from where they are to where it is that they want to go or you want them to go. One small step at a time. And if you can do it, 
before they fall apart, they will have more access to learning how to do it themselves sooner. But of course, that doesn't always happen, does it? There is a lot of benefit in using your conversation to go back and talk later about what had happened, what had happened good, what had happened that was difficult, without having the child feel like they were a problem. Now, these kind of things are very, very normal for our youngest kiddos. If your child is older, let's say four or five, and yes, there's a gap at three because that big transition at three can be so profoundly different from child to child. At three and a half is where the earliest proper identification typically happens. Usually these kiddos are very dramatically identifiable. I will say that even though this ADHD diagnosis can be hard and the behaviors are difficult, I want you to know that as a teacher professional, as an educator, as a speech-language pathologist, the kiddos that have ADHD are often the brightest, the quickest learners, and the most fun. So even though life can be hard at home, there is so much hope. Many of these kids are brilliant, and I love teaching them. So whether your child has an attention deficit, because that's what happens to children, or if they have a diagnosed attention deficit, let's talk about a few structures that you can put into place in order for your kids to be successful and not be ashamed. Oh, I should talk about that shame thing. Oftentimes, when our kiddos do the opposite of what we want and they can do things that are are difficult behaviors, it is very frustrating for us as parents. And of course, they experience our frustration. Some of our kiddos with ADHD end up being really ashamed, feeling like they're bad for the family, bad for mom. I'm, I don't know what to do. She doesn't like me. How can I make mom happy? Bottom line, when we are unable to stay engaged because we are too frustrated by their behaviors, often creates in them a story of not good enough. I understand that. Yet I also know that if you're listening to this podcast, you are the parent that really cares and doesn't want that to happen to your child. So let's look at those structures that we can put into place to be successful and reduces the experience of shame because you will be empowered to work on it. When I was a child, I frequently forgot the thing that was not in front of my face. It wasn't that I wasn't interested. It wasn't that I didn't care to obey. It wasn't that I was trying to make mom and dad mad. I simply was captivated by the moment. Being this kind of child myself, I adore kiddos that are so in the moment. At the same time, when I had my own children, And they grew past the age when I thought I could expect them to step out of just this moment. I really realized how difficult this is. I realized that you can give a direction and two seconds later, while they are actually walking towards putting their shoes on or brushing their teeth, they leave what they're doing because some shiny object or maybe a ball, something has caught their attention and they wander the other way. And sometimes when we correct them, there's a frustrated response. But other times, they say, oh, and off they go to do it 
only to yet find another distraction along the way. This is when you find that charts just don't work because they don't come back for the chart and check the chart. They simply keep on forgetting because something else snags their attention. So this is talking about our very young ones. I will say that a one-year-old, you are still going to direct over and over and over because that's the way the littlest ones are. When your child is two, you will be going often close by them and redirecting. That is pretty normal for two. This is also the time that they are learning actual skills and you will be able to visibly see that they are gaining those skills. So going with them often and making sure that it's done the way you want it done is pretty important at this age. Don't be fooled by the idea of they've done it before so they know it. That is not a reliable marker for age two. By about two and a half, you can do things with them that help them remember to finish. And that is one of the tricks. Teach your child what finished looks like. A child can be told to put their shoes on and they might put one on and say, I did it. And then you have to have them physically look at their feet to decide if the job is finished. And then you teach them, you're not done yet. You have more to do. There's another foot. And you might even have to tap their foot to show them. And they probably will be a little bit silly about it, maybe even taking off the other shoe, whatever, to make them be the same. All of that playfulness is quite normal. And again, it doesn't mean ADHD. It's two. By two and a half, you will be able to put a physical object in the way of your child and have them know what finish looks like because you have already practiced what finish looks like. So if you put the two shoes right in his walkway and you say, put the shoes on, and there isn't another thing right there, they should be able to put those shoes on. Likewise, if it's brush teeth time and you've got their toothbrush right there, they'll be able to then put the toothbrush in their mouth and chew on it and sometimes do effective brushing. Of course, we watch over brushing for a number of years still. What I'll say next doesn't always work with a two and a half year old, but it typically works with a three year old. And that is to put a sticker right on their hand so they get to show you when the job is done. It suits as a reminder in the environment to help them stay on track. Of course, some kids will want to put that sticker off their body and onto paper. Some kids will want to wear the sticker all day. Some people will want to put it on their clothing. All of that, of course, is going to vary. But the act of having something visual attached to their body until they are done with the task works often for kids, especially as you get into that three, four, five. My experience with two-year-olds is that the sticker becomes the item. Even two-and-a-half-year-olds, the sticker becomes the exciting thing. Fairly often, our kiddos with ADHD really want attention. So they will do things that get your attention. Whether that attention is positive or negative, but they don't really care. They just want your attention. This can be extraordinarily difficult, which is part of that shame. So the trick 
the structure is to build in as much positive as you can say, recognizing whatever positive you can and frequently involve them in what you're doing as much as possible so that they don't have to seek your attention in other ways. These behaviors are a little louder and stronger with our kiddos that have ADHD. But again, if you're told when your child is only one or two that they have ADHD, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. Know that what you do to love on them is exactly the same. They do require more supervision, and you will be more tired. I give that to you for sure. So don't waste time or energy on that diagnosis or that statement from people when your child is very young. If it's true, it will show itself to be true. And if it's not true, you will have spent a lot of effort and energy and worry and time when it didn't matter. Because children have those characteristics by nature. Thank you for joining me today on The Language of Play. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.